0: The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2017 New Year's Conference. More information about New Year's Conference can be found at NewYearsConference.com. My name is Lucas. This is my wife Ariana, and we're both doing this this seminar together. Um, as you can tell, we're really tall, and so and the screen is really short, and so we have some slides and pictures, and so like we'll try to move around, especially can I put this over there? for these people. Um. He might be kind of distracting. I don't think that's gonna work. Okay. Yeah, we're um on staff at Bethel University, which is in Arden Hills, which is in between St. Paul and Minneapolis. For those that don't know the area, we went to the University of Minnesota, and so we've been on staff for about three, three and a half years, so four years. Now, four years. So, um, we're excited to be here. We're also excited to do this seminar. Um, we've had to think through. A lot of different decisions in our lives and so hopefully our experiences can help you guys and so um, I just wanted to start off with maybe why you came to the seminar Um, and I'm guessing you probably wanted some sort of help in making a decision Um, that's why it's called making (laughs) making godly decisions and so it might be one of the one of the following questions it could be what should I do with my life which is a a big question or um, what major should I choose? I'm still trying to figure that out. Where, where, where am I gifted? Um, what should I do this summer? Or maybe it's whom should I date or whom should I marry? And I think a lot of those questions can feel very overwhelming and um, pressing, especially when you're, when you're in the middle of them. Um, and so we want to help give you an answer to your, these questions. It, it just might not be the answer you might, you're looking for. And so we'll get there at the end. Um, But another couple things I wanted to point out, kind of disclaimers, and um, some points that Mucci has made the last couple nights, which I think were really good. He talked about how we want to bring significance into this world and how we want to do things and make an impact. And I think a lot of ways we're we're wired that way. We want to do that. That's a good thing. Um, And one thing that he talked about is how our significance um, is in declaring His excellencies, not necessarily just our decisions. And so for me, that's been a helpful thing for me to remember that our significance is in declaring His excellencies and who He is rather than um, us just making a decision and maybe feeling that pressure there. Another thing he talked about was rest and how um, maybe you came to this seminar because you wanted to find rest in making the right decision. Um, Or find rest in making the right decision so that your life is... Um, Like, you can find rest in what you're doing. And one thing that he said is, our rest is in Christ, and then we bring order into chaos. Um, We bring rest into this world. We don't try to take rest out of it. And so, um, just as a couple points before we jump in, but I have some statistics that I'm going to kind of go through. And just to show us how our generation, I think, we are bombarded with more options and choices than anyone ever has had before. Um, any of our parents or their parents um, and so I think this is unique and I'm sure there's just going to be more and more choices and options for us as we go on but um, for example before each of you chose to go to a school um, you had just 4,726 options just in the U.S. here and that's just a four-year degree that's not including all the, the tech schools or the two-year programs and so that's a lot of options um, and like how did you choose your the school that you went to Um, Or once you get into a school, like at the University of Minnesota, there's over 150 majors. um, And that's not including minors. Or at the U of M, you have choose your own major. I don't know if your schools have that, but the U of M had that. um, Make your own major. Or make your own major, not choose your own major. Every school is make your own own major. major. (laughs) Like you could craft your own own major. And so there's even more options there. Um, Just thinking of the dating thing, like you can meet thousands of single people in person and then millions more online online. then um, maybe once you, when you're in college, you get asked the question, what are you gonna do when you graduate? And that can become like a very, this, when I was a college student, when someone asked me that, that should be an exciting thing. Like, oh, what am I gonna do when I graduate? Like the world, I can do so many different things. But a lot of times, it feels like an overwhelming question um, because you're not quite sure what you wanna do. And you're like, oh, I don't know. Like, and you become maybe crippled and just being asked that question. Or you could choose a major and that major can lead to hundreds of different career paths. Um, you can basically, if you really want us to, live pretty much anywhere in the world. Um, every day, you choose to eat, probably, some people eat two meals, I eat three meals, some people eat five meals like a hobbit, but I, I don't do that. But every every day, you have to choose what you're gonna eat, and here's a funny funny picture. Have you ever been to a grocery store, and like this guy is probably trying to buy lettuce, and look, just look at how many options he has. Like, there's so many different food items in the grocery store. Just if you want to buy cereal, like, there's so many different cereals. There's so much different lettuce. Like, we have so many options today. Um, and so we might feel even more of that, that pressure. Um, and then, like, you had 10 to 15 seminars. You chose to come to this one because that's God's will for your life. <laughs> um, maybe not, but... Um, so you had 10 to 15 different seminars to choose from, and so, like I said, like, we have so many more options than our parents and and their parents, and um, I have a funny story of Paul Boutique, because he's he's the one that just gave the relationship talk, and he was telling me last week that um, he's not that old, but this, this story dates him a little bit, but he said that he actually couldn't watch Star Wars Episode 4. The first Star Wars movie he watched was Episode 5. I'm like, why didn't you watch Episode 4 first? And he's like, well, I didn't have the option. Like, when if they wanted to see a movie, you only got to see a movie in the theater. Because VHS wasn't even out at that point, which is like, VHS to us is old. And for him, it wasn't even out when he was a kid. And so, uh, I bring up the example, because today, you can go on Netflix and how many movies are at your disposal. You can, like... This becomes crippling for me. She knows because we try to find like we'll try to find a movie to watch, and I'm looking for a movie. Five minutes goes by, ten minutes, twenty minutes, thirty minutes, and I'm still looking for a movie. Has anyone else had that problem? Like we just can't choose what to watch. And back in the day, it's like okay, here's a theater. They're showing these three or four movies, and you just went and you watched a movie. Um, and so there's a, a quote from. We had this, the book that we recommended with this seminar was Just Do Something by Kevin DeYoung. And so we have a few different um, quotes that we're going to quote from that. And this is the first one. Um, he said, our freedom to do anything and go anywhere ends up feeling like bondage more than liberty. Because decision making feels like pain, not pleasure. Um, and to me, I feel like that, that related to me and I think our generation that in, instead of more options, we think more options is going to make us happy. Um, that it's going to only be better that if we have more choices. But I think at some point, um, um, we could actually be better off with fewer options. And so, and there's another example is, like, this idea of if you've ever been asked to do something on a Friday night, but yet you say, um, I'm not sure, or maybe. And the reason why we say that is because we're holding off of maybe if something better could come up. We hate eliminating options. It feels like death to us. We want to keep them open. Um, cutting off any option is like a bad thing because we're always thinking of the, green, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. And so, um, and not only that, we have all these options, but as a believer, um, we have all these options, but we want to do the right thing. We want to make the right decision. Um, the one that's in God's will. And so I think this question, um, these desires, and likely this added anxiety is why perhaps most of you are in this room. Um, and so that's kind of just to introduce like maybe the problem that we're feeling, the anxiety that we're feeling. And so I'm going to share with you guys our main goal for the seminar. And then we'll unpack it and get to it later and talk more, uh, more about it later. But basically our goal for you is this. Um, it's a do whatever you want, but pursue the holiness of God. Um, so I'll just let that. You might have, what? Do whatever you want. Like, that sounds weird, but we'll, we'll unpack that in a little bit. But um, I can go down.
1: Yeah. And the reason we share a lot of those statistics and stuff is to show this is the amount of options you guys have, which is we have, you guys. We have them too. Um, is is very, very much the culture of this generation in a Midwest thing. Like, it's not how. It used to be. And so it, there's kind of like, yeah, it makes sense that we have a lot of anxiety because we have a billion decisions to make all day long over millions of options of things that we, it would be easier if we had one. So um, so the first point is you cannot mess up God's will for your life. Has anyone seen Man on Wire, the documentary? Greg, just us. It took us a while on Netflix to pick it, but we did pick it eventually. Um, so there's a movie out too. I haven't seen the movie, but basically this guy. He, it's a true story. He really—I don't know his name. I guess it probably was important. But um, he likes to walk on very thin wires in very dangerous places. And so this is actually between the twin towers, way before they were collided into. Um, so this is just to show that this, I think, is how a lot of us can view making a decision in in line with God's wills. That it's like walking on a tightrope that if we have to fight very carefully to be balanced and right in line with it, and if we make one wrong step, we're to our doom. And um, I I just want to debunk that and let you know that's not what God's will is. Like, God's will is more like um, our our North staff team for the Minnesota area. We went to the Grand Canyon a couple years ago together, and... If you've ever been in the Grand Canyon, it's massive. And if you were to be at the bottom of it, like, it's beautiful at the top, but if you were to be at the bottom, you could turn right, you could turn left, you could climb up a little bit, you could climb deeper, whatever it is, and you would still be in the Grand Canyon. That's more like God's will. Like, his will for what he's going to ordain is going to happen, no matter what decision you make today or tomorrow or for which lettuce you choose off the cab- cabinet or whatever. Um His will is going to happen, and so we are more walking within this deep valley that He's holding for us. And so that should bring freedom for us to know the decisions we make aren't going to take us away from God's will. He is going to bring what He wants. And that's there are different parts of God's will, so this is more me talking about God's will of decree, which there could be a whole other seminar on breaking down the pieces of God's will. But basically God's will of decree is what I just said, like what He ordains will happen regardless of what His people choose to do. Um, So that comes from Ephesians 1.11. It says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So he has obtained an inheritance for us, that he's holding for us, and he's predestined us, and he's going to work that to his purpose, and he will do all of it according to his will. So this is his story. He's the author. He's moving all the pieces, and it's going to happen because he's planned it to happen. And I hope that that would bring and should bring, hopefully, more rest and peace for us to know. We can't step outside of his will. He's going to work for us. Um, the second point is that God is greater than you think he is. Lucas made that yeah, greater took sign. took like an hour. took a little walk. <laughs> um, but just to keep in theme with our greater theme. For some of you, maybe when I said God's going to bring whatever he wants, no matter what decision you make, might have actually made you feel a little bit more anxious and afraid like, what doesn't even matter what decision I make? It does. He cares. But um, I think if it brings fear and more anxiety, then maybe there's a small image or a misconception of who God really is. And so I want you to see that God is greater than you think. And maybe even ask, like, why? Why did your heart um, stir in more fear or anxiety to think that God is in control of all this? Um, And to be honest with maybe thinking by yourself now for like a second of like how does your heart when you have to make decisions, does it usually go towards anxiety or fighting for control or does it make you angry with God? Like, I wanna do what I wanna do. Like I loved Abby sharing her story. She was like, This is how I wanted my story to go and so I went that way and and God knew and has planned all that and worked it, but um does it make you fight for control to say, This is how I want my life and I don't want God to intervene. Does it make you th- see him as a bad God who was, withholds good um, Muchi talked a little bit about we can sometimes see God as withholding things from us like it's a bad thing when really when he, his love is withholding things because it could harm us and I think for me when we did the discussion thing after that that was the piece that was revealed to me is that I think when it comes to um, how I view God and the misconception I have of he's withholding because he's not loving me When in contrary, it's that he's withholding because he loves me. He's taking care of me and protecting me and moving me in a path towards life. So I think it's just been helpful for me as we've written this talk to work through how my heart is when it comes to decision-making and trying to be in line with God and and seeing that God is greater than I think he is. And I have a wrong image of God when I think he's withholding good from me. Um, I mean, even it's greater news that he is the author of our story and that he's going to work that all out for good. Because um, I was talking with a staff girl once, and she was like, Ari, if you were the author of your story, that would be the most boring story ever. She, she's like, because then it would be, there once was a girl named Ariana, and she got all shoe on at the end. And I was like, that would be a great story. And she's like, no, that would be a dumb story. Because all, all good movies, all good books, all good stories, there is hardship that happens. And it's not that we would write that into our stories, but that's a greater story. It makes the ending, the redemption, the beautiful piece of the story, way better when the person is brought to that end. So um, it's greater that God is the author of this story. And in Matthew ten twenty-nine through 31, it says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more valued than many sparrows. So God's love is greater for us than we think that it is. If he doesn't let a sparrow fall to the ground without knowing, how much more does he love us who are made in his image? And if he's the author, the great author, how much greater is it that he writes the story, especially because that's paired with him fully and excitingly loving us. So if he loves us more greatly than we think, if he writes the story and is the author, which is greater than we think, if he's more powerful than we can imagine... If he fights for us, even as Mucci's talked about, his, his gentle and intentional love towards us, this, it's greater that he is the author. And so even thinking about God is, we can't step outside of God's will. I want that to be restful because it's paired with we have a great God who loves us more than we think, more than we could even imagine. And so this is good news and would hopefully bring some peace and rest into decision making because we'll know he'll be in it with us, fighting for us. The next question, or part, is, oh, you have to click.
0: So yeah, we don't have a picture for this. I couldn't find a picture. So it's blank. So it's not that complicated. Maybe that should be it. It shouldn't be that complicated. Um, but basically, I think a lot of times we can make out our decision-making to be much more complex, much more complicated than it, than it needs to be. Um, and I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I think making decisions, some decisions are going to be really hard decisions in your life. Um, but I don't I don't think it should be that complicated. And I think... Um, a lot of times we can feel more spiritual by just sitting back and waiting and just just kind of waiting for God to speak to us and um, and not do anything and I think um, but in reality, at times, I think we can over spiritualize it um, by thinking that not doing anything is more of the the, the the good thing or the more godly thing, but in reality, what could be happening in our hearts is that we 're riddled with fear. Um, not trusting that God has a plan and that he is good. Kind of what Ariana talked about, that his plan is better. Um, and so it could be a lack of trust, a lack of faith that's really going on in our heart. And like we're, we're not called to do nothing. We, we are called to do good things, to do good. And so the idea of just sitting back and just waiting for it to be written on the wall, um, I think it's good to just ask your heart maybe why you're feeling that. Um, another thing is I think... Um, A lot of times, Ariana and I can hear this said a lot. Like, I just don't feel peace about it. Um, Like, we hear that a ton. And I think, um, we have a quote. Actually, I don't have it up here, so I'm just going to read it to you guys from Kevin DeYoung's book. And he says this, Perhaps our inactivity is not so much waiting on God as it is an expression of the fear of man, the love of the praise of man, and disbelief in God's providence. And so... um, perhaps like the reason why it doesn't feel so peaceful or the reason why it doesn't feel so easy is because maybe there's some death going on in our heart like the there's a fear of man problem going on our heart where we're afraid um that that it's not really waiting in God but it's more of a fear of man type thing that's happening and so I think it really becomes a faith problem and so moving on I think Ari talked a lot about God's will of decree and she said we could use a whole seminar on that. We're not going to dive into that a ton. But I'm going to talk more about God's will of desire. And so God's God's will of decree basically is this is what God ordains in our lives, and His will of desire is um, what God desires and commands in our lives. And so something like it could be like flee sexual immor- immorality. And so in one sense, you can disobey that. Um, but that's His desire for our life, is to flee that. And so... Um, I know that in our pamphlet, if you read it, we, we, we listed off a bunch of questions. And at the end, we said, come to the seminar. We'll tell you what God's will, God's will is for your life. And so we're, we're happy that you came. This is the point that you've all been waiting for. We're going to tell you God's will for your life. And here it is. It's pretty simple. It's not that complicated. Um, but it is this. For this is the will of God through sanctification. Um, and Mushi talked about this. And I'm really happy he did. I feel like he kind of gave the will of God talk in a lot of ways, Um, but what is that? What is your sanctification? And I think in a lot of ways, it's to become more like Christ, and so um, I honestly think we can overcomplicate what we should do with our lives, what is the will of God for my life, when the Bible doesn't talk a ton about who you should date, or um, what job you should take, but it does talk a lot about our sanctification, a lot about us growing in holiness, and it's very clear, like, that's what we're called to do, is to pur- to pursue him to know him more to um, become more like him and and when we look at the life of Christ, what two things did he do that mooucci even talked about um, he did what he loved God with all of his heart and and then he he loved people perfectly and so we saw him do those perfectly and so I think part of what it means to do the will of God is to to do that um, and so I think we can, like I said a little earlier, I think we can put a lot of weight and choice into making the right decision and we feel crippled and paralyzed and, and about a non-moral decision and when in reality, the, the Bible, God, I don't think he, his, his heart is more on you pursuing um, your sanctification than you making that, you know, this job versus this job type of decision. And so, um, so, yeah.
1: And that's what we are going to be calling the greater path. We made more greater signs. Um, The greater path of, so what, sorry about these awkward flipping, but our computers are on opposite ends. Um, So, what Luke's is talking about with the sanctification, that God's will for our life is to be made more into the image of His Son, like that's the greater path. If wrestling with making a decision takes four or five months of really wrestling with the Lord, reading scripture, praying, if through that chunk of time you become more like Jesus, is way greater than if God were to just give you an answer the second that we want it. And that's what we want for you guys, is to lean into getting more of Jesus through your decision-making than to just pursue an answer to your decisions. Um, So again, from the book, we took a lot of quotes out of there. Um, It says, God doesn't want us to merely give external obedience to his commands. He wants us to know him so intimately that his thoughts become our thoughts, his ways are ways his affections are affections god wants us to drink so deeply of the scriptures that our heads and hearts are transformed so that we love what he loves and hate what he hates and i just think that's really sweet like i mean there's a i don't remember who said it but a simpler way of saying it is you become what you behold and if we behold christ and we behold jesus and We lean into the scriptures as we make our decisions um, to start to have a heart that's transformed like his. That eventually we'll be making decisions without even knowing that line up with how God would want them to be. Because we're being formed, sanctified, transitioned into the image of his son. Um, So maybe you're asking, okay, how do I do that? Um, Good question. We can become more like Jesus By learning more about him, and God has revealed himself more primarily through his son, and God has revealed his son primarily to us through his scriptures. Um, I hear a lot now, maybe it's just because of the school that I'm at, but I hear a lot of like, oh, I experienced God. Best through nature or best through people and those things are true like God does reveal himself in nature he does reveal himself through people but he has primarily revealed himself through the scriptures and I don't want that to get substituted I think scripture should be first and nature and people should come as ways to fulfill that um, so I would say learn lean into the scriptures enjoy the scriptures and see. How Jesus is revealed in there. How did he react to the woman at the well? How did he react when he walked into the temple? And why did he get angry? Why did he use physical touch in this situation and not that one? What thing stirs his affections? How does he pray? And what are the words that he's using? And really just start to learn and really study him and who he is. Um, last night, Muchi also said something which I loved about, um, well, I'll just read it. It said, I didn't put it up there because he said it last night, but he said, It is missional malpractice to spend so much time trying to figure out the will of God for our lives while not doing the will that he has already revealed through his word. Um, and I thought I should have just used his quote instead of Kevin DeYoung's um, because... Because the next one's Kevin Young's, which basically is saying the same thing, but she's saying we obsess over the things God has not monitored and may never mention, while by contrast we spend little time on all the things He's already re- revealed to us in the Bible. So there's a lot that God has shown about His will, like He desires for us to multiply our lives, He wants us to go and spread the excellencies, He wants us to be like His sons. His son loves to count others more significant. There's a lot that God has already revealed about. What he desires for us in our script in the scriptures, but we spend so much time pursuing, like, okay, please show me who I should date and flipping randomly, or should I take this job or not? Turn to a psalm and doesn't apply at all. Um, so, in making decisions, the greater path is to get more of Jesus, whether you get a decision or not, and to pursue the Bible not as a way to find an answer, but as a way to get more of Jesus and maybe he'll show you how to have clarity for a decision, maybe he won't one of the things that for Lucas and I well I have a verse and then I'll share my story just so you see that it's not just Kevin and Moochie but it's also the Bible that talks about it Um, Romans 12 says I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, so sanctification that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So it's good for us to want to discover what is God's will, what, how should I be living my life that lines up for that, um, and to see what is good and acceptable, but to be presenting our bodies to him and to be letting our minds and our hearts get transformed through his word. Um, so an example for Lucas and I, um, it's like six months ago or something like that, we got a—I had a conversation with my mom, long, um, no-detail-mentioned story, that um, my sister was basically going to lose—potentially going to lose her kids. They were going to get taken from her um, by caseworkers, and so they were contact, potentially going to contact us to take in her kids, and they're 12, 10, and 8. And so we, we never in our lives could have foreseen a decision like this to come— I mean, there's not a Bible verse on do you take in your siblings' kids or not. Um, And So we really had to... I mean, we wanted to be smart and ask counsel. I mean, who are we to trust our own decisions? Um, We wanted to pray and really wrestle through. We did for a couple of months um, pray and ask a lot of counsel. And we went back and forth with emotions, obviously. A lot of excitement, a lot of fears, a lot of what? How do we even make this decision? Um, But I think it was really cool to see that... like. Four or five years ago when I became a believer, I would have never imagined or written in my story that a decision like this would have to come. And I wasn't planning as I read the Bible the last five years to prepare for a decision like this. And that's going to happen. You guys are going to have to make decisions in your life that you never imagined happening, just like Abby had to with her baby. And the point of that is not to pursue the Bible just so that you're ready for that decision, We are pursuing Jesus and reading the Bible and through that he, because he promises to do sanctification to his children. And so he's been sanctifying our hearts over the last four or five years that when this decision did come, it was sweet to see how our hearts responded a little bit like God's would, that we got excited about the story of adoption. And though we had many people in our life who don't know Jesus say, why would you do that? That's going to be so much harder on your life. What about the strain of your marriage and financially? And it's like, yeah, all those things would definitely be really hard. But because we knew the story of adoption of our lives, that God has adopted us, we're like, how could we not? Like, how could we know that God has brought us who are needy into his family and not even think about, and not just like, okay, we're going to do this because we should, which no one said we should. The Bible doesn't say we should. But that there was actually an excitement in both of our hearts to be like, let's meet this need. Let's love them. And... We didn't end up having to make the decision. My sister got her kids back, which was great. Um, But I think it was cool for us that it was a greater path for us to have those four months of praying and really wrestling. And I think on this end, we treasure Jesus's adoption of us, his ability to stand in our place. We treasure the heart that God has towards his needy children more because we had to think through that decision. So it's good to lean into making wise decisions and to bring in counsel and to pray and the prodding of enjoying Jesus in His, in in the Bible daily can help with those decisions down the road and treasuring Him more. So, last point, I just did something.
0: That's okay. So our last point is just do something. And so, not just do it like he's. Just- slogan but just do something so just do something is the title of the book that kevin young wrote but i also put do whatever you want um and i think both of them get to the point that i want to I'll, I'll eventually flesh out but i'm just going to share a little bit a little story first um and so when r and i we got married right after i graduated graduated and then we started working she started um coaching volleyball and working at a school and i started working at a company called people lab it's a pretty big company and we worked there for about a year, and we really enjoyed these jobs. And um, Well, I might have enjoyed mine perhaps a bit more, more than she enjoyed hers. But we also still had a desire to come on staff at Campus Outreach because we had that desire in college. Um, and so that year, we were thinking more about it, and then it, that summer came, and we really dove into what we should do. Um, like, what, what should we do with our lives? And that, that question was so, like, in our face. Um, and we talked to a lot of people about it. We prayed a lot about it, and we were asking a lot of questions, like, should we do something that meets the greatest need? Should we do something that, like, that is going to let our gifts be used the most? Should we um, do something that helps us get to know God more? Um, There's just all these di- different decisions that we were thinking through and questions, and to the point where I think we felt kind of crippled, like that. If you think back of that man and wire. Picture like we were those we were we were both that guy. We're like, oh, we better not make the wrong choice, or or else, like, man, we could really screw it up, and you know, we could screw up God's plan. Like we were putting so much pressure on our shoulders, which I don't think was right. Um, And then I was listening to a sermon from the nineteen eighties by a guy called John Piper. He was giving this sermon. And I don't know if you guys have ever listened to a sermon, but if you ever listened to an 80s version of a sermon, his voice is super high and super fire. But um, the one, there's one thing that he said that really just stuck out to her, uh, Ari and I, that really kind of changed our, our lives in some way. And he said, do whatever you want, but pursue the holiness of God. So if you read Just Do Something, it's going to basically say the same thing. But the idea there is that the, our focus should be pursuing the Lord, pursuing him. That 's our sanctification to become more like Christ, pursuing holiness, becoming more like him, like uh, beholding him, and then after that, like if someone is really encaptured with who Christ is and, and chasing after him, that person's going to glorify him, and so i don 't mind telling someone to do whatever you want. Like do whatever you want like god God will give you those desires to to like pursue that, and so at that point, we t- felt so much freedom. And it was like, you know what? We could do either. Working and being part of our church is a great decision. And also coming on staff would be a great decision. At that point, it's like, what should we do? And we're like, okay, we we get more excited to come on staff. So we just came on staff, and it's been great so far. We're not second-guessing our decision. Like, oh, gosh, did we make the wrong decision? And it's like, uh, I don't think we did. Like, this is where God called us, and so that's his will. Um, And so I hope for me, when I heard that, it just made me feel a lot more at ease, and more freedom, and making a decision and doing what you desire um, and, and so there are some disclaimers there, obviously like, that's why, but pursue the holiness of God is in that, because you could do whatever you want and whatever, what you want could be a really bad thing um, like becoming a thief or, um, like that's probably not what God, that's not what God's will desire, or uh, becoming a corrupt politician, or working in the porn industry, or there's so many other things that you could could be doing just because you want them that aren't pursuing the holiness of God. That's why the aim should be to pursue the holiness of God, and and after that, like do what you desire. Um, just do something and not nothing. And so um, that's our main point, and that's what mainly we wanted to talk about. And so the seminar part is over. But if you guys have any questions. We would love to answer any questions you guys might have. Uh, one question I have is uh, so, we talk about doing something, yeah, you know, and that being part of God's will. Um, my question is like, when you don't hear God's will while making a decision, is it still a God's decision? Yeah, so when you say you don't hear God's will, what do you mean by that? So, you're, you're praying, so, yeah. in your situation, you're praying for the cup or or whatever, yep. taking care of these kids. Yep. And you, you're not necessarily hearing God's will. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you don't really know what God wants for your life. Yeah, you know. yeah that's a great question. So, so can you really claim that it's a godly yeah. if you're not hearing God's will now? So there's there's another third will that the book talks about. is God's will of direction. And that's, like, how he's going to direct our lives. And I don't think we're meant to know that. Like, I don't think... Um, We're going to be able to find out. He's not going to tell us the decision. But I think part of doing the will of God is, like Ariana said in her point, is beholding God, beholding Christ, becoming more like Him. And if we're pursuing that will of God, which is our sanctification, we're seeing His heart more. We're seeing what He loves, what He enjoys, what what He calls good. Like, we want to pursue those things. And so if our conviction, our conscience bears with that, like, this is a good thing. Like, we think this is the will of God. Like, we want to bring them into our family because this is a godly thing. This is what we see lines up with God's heart, his character. And so at that point, we would feel, like, in faith and and walking in God's will and bringing them into our family. And so would you add anything to that?
1: Yeah, when he talks about God's will desire, he says... God doesn't wait for us to discover his will of desire before he moves or will of direction yeah. before he moves us in, in a direction and so that's kind of restful to know like I mean God has done everything for us why would he, he sent his son for us why would he now not move and wait for us to move before he moves um, When it, when he says he's not going to withhold that he will move us in the direction that he wants and so we won't know and I think because we have so many options nowadays, there is this this anxiousness of, and because we have that paired with the desire to, to please God and to be living in his will of desire, um, that there is this like, okay, here's all these doors, I'm going to wait till I feel like a door is open, then I'll step through. When I think, if we're looking through, pursue the holiness of God, um, be made more into the image, enjoy and treasure Jesus more, like I count all things as lost for the sake of knowing Christ more, that if one of those doors is like I could know and treasure Jesus more than to run after opening that door yourself and let God close it because he's going to move us and I think because there's so many options it's caused a lot more in this generation of leaning back and waiting until all the ducks are in line and the door is wide open and then I know this is where I should go because it's the only door left and I think more often than not that's coming stirred out of the anxieties of making a wrong choice, walking on a wire like all that stuff instead of You know, I think I can treasure Jesus by doing this this summer. So I'm going to run hard that way. And if he doesn't want me there, I can't step outside of the Grand Canyon. He will close the door and he will move me somewhere else. So kind of ambiguous, but if that makes sense.
0: And if like this, this book, I would would really recommend this book to all of you. It's really helpful. It's not very long. You'd probably read it in a couple hours. If you're fat, me, probably three or four hours. I'm a slow reader, but it might help answer that question a bit more, too. I know like when you make a decision you don't want to be like second guessing it like you said like regretting it. Yeah. But you also want to balance when like, you guys make that decision to go like not be on staff for a year. How do you balance like evaluating like if things have changed, like when you're thinking about that decision that you come on staff versus like not just second guessing like all the time? Yeah. Like, so your question there is instead of second guessing it maybe if circumstances have changed, like reevaluating your decision. Yeah, how do you, you balance stuff? like evaluating, like, making a decision and, like, how it's going versus, like, being crippled by something Yeah, yeah. That's a great question. And I don't know if I have, like, a a clear answer for you, but I think um, because circumstances are going to change and that might change your decision or a certain circumstance. So I think bringing community in, in on it and at some point, like, weighing, if the circumstances are changing, like, weighing those things into the factor and, and just, I think, going forward is doing something. Um, but that, that does make sense because things do change, but also you want to fight the tendency to be, be becoming crippled by making a decision. Would you say anything? Yeah,
1: three points. Three points. Um, one, I think, when something maybe we didn't talk about a ton, is that there should be prayer in all this. Like, to be, to be praying with God, and God cares enough to move and stir our hearts Um, Two is community. Like, all these big decisions we talked about, we were lavished with community. Asking tons of people who we know are pursuing the holiness of God, love Jesus, who know us well, who would be that person that's like, hey, I don't think you should do that, that maybe we wouldn't want to hear. Like, we we leaned into a lot of community. Um, And the third point is, we skipped over this verse for sake of time, but since we have time. um, So this is from... Romans 4, so talking about Abraham, it says, In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the bareness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. So I loved this verse because I'm like, He's almost 100 years old. His body's as good as dead. God just promised he's going to make him the father of many nations, give him children, and his mother or his wife's womb is barren. It's like circumstances are pretty bleak. I'm 100, she's 90 ish. She doesn't even have children, and God just made this promise. But Abraham's faith didn't waver. In hope, he believed against hope. Like every part of the circumstance should have given him reason not to hope, but he hoped because of who made the promise. It said no unbelief made him wa- waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew earlier in the verse it talks about, or maybe it's later in the verse, says because this is the, the God who can bring life to death and can make things exist that did not exist before. And so I think the security and the hope that we can have in making decisions is in the one who is working for us, in this God that made it a cavern instead of a tight tightrope, in this God who's promised to work out our sanctification who's promised to work all things for our good and if he is the one behind all these things i think we can fight to rest in that as we think about should i have made this decision or not that like god's for me mm-hmm. i'm going to be okay in the end of all things if if we go to heaven tomorrow god's not going to be like why did you go on staff instead of stay working at eco labs like he ultimately that's not what he cares about the most like he cares about our hearts being transformed more into the image of his son and that's why We have the freedom to do whichever one we want. So prayer, community, and remember who's behind all of this.
0: Sweet. Any more questions? Is that a hand or playing with your hair? Okay. Okay, he's playing with his hair. Okay, we'll be done. So you guys are free to go. And I think our next thing is at 7. So you guys have like three hours. So. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach. For more information, we invite
1: you to visit us online at Conference.com.